Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Thank you, Dee. You may be seated. Well, I'm so glad you made it here today. I want to say happy Mother's Day to all our wonderful moms. Church, can we thank our moms for being present, for being selfless? I want to wish my beautiful wife, Kelly, who you all love, a happy Mother's Day. Bob... Bob Grove, Mr. I call him affectionately, Mr. Grove came up to me uh, before first service and he goes, you know what, Chris, you really married up. And I 100% agree. I was at the bottom and she was at the top. And uh, I'm just blessed to see um, uh, my wife and how she mothers our children and how selfless she is. And she's just remarkable in her wisdom. And she just takes care of our kids and makes food from scratch. And she raises chickens. And um, she has so much authority. And she's an incredible, how many of you, I mean, you've heard my wife speak, an incredible Bible teacher, preacher. And uh, I just, I love you with all of my heart. And then I want to say happy Mother's Day to uh, my mother-in-law, my beautiful mother-in-law is here today. Thank you for being here. You are absolutely incredible. And also, of course, my beautiful, beautiful mother, uh, Connie Wild. I just want to say, our, our founding pastor, I want to say happy Mother's Day. You are remarkable and so selfless, and I love you with all my heart. So thank you for everything. Well, um, can I share just a few memes with you, uh, with mom memes? Uh, so we'll have them, I think, up behind me. I'll wait on you guys. There we go. Uh, this Mother's Day, I would like a cold hotel room, blackout curtains, and no other human present. Thank you in advance. And all the moms said... Amen. My kids asked me what I wanted for Mother's Day, and I said, no arguing. Then they all started arguing about who would probably be the first one to start an argument. <laughs> I don't know what my husband is planning on doing for me for Mother's Day, but I sure hope it's laundry. Babe, I'm doing laundry today. All right. Yes. Uh, if your toddler has a lot of energy, don't get them in a mini, don't get them a mini trampoline to tire them out. It will only make them stronger and more agile, more ferocious and rebellious. Yes, that's a good one. If you're a mom, then you understand that when someone texts you, you will either respond within 10 seconds because you're somehow free in that moment, or three to five business days later, there is no in-between. And all the mothers said, amen, amen. I think that's it. Uh, well, I, I think every day, uh, Mother's Day is special, but I think every day is Mother's Day. And uh, we, this time, we just want to pray for our mom. So if you're a mom, um, can you just stand, and we would just like to bless you uh, today. You guys are wonderful. Church, could you uh, stretch forth your hands as we pray for our moms? Father, we thank you for our wonderful mothers. Lord, we thank you that you know exactly where they're at in their lives. Lord, you know the struggle. Maybe some moms here today are going through a season of heartache and maybe even suffering. I, I thank you, Holy Spirit, you know. And I thank you that you would come and you would just bless every mom here. Fill them with your 
love. Lord, I thank you for the passage. It says, I think it's Psalm 92 or Psalm 93, that you anoint us with fresh oil. I just thank you that you would anoint every mom here today with fresh oil and strength and life. Lord, we declare your blessing over them, and we bind them and their family, families to your will. And we just thank you that every longing and desire and dream that you've put in their heart, that you would bring that into fruition in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you today would be a wonderful day of napping, resting, husbands doing laundry, husbands taking care of the kids, and moms spending time with their friends and going to movies. Lord, let it be a blessed day. I'm helping you out, dads and husbands. And we thank you, Father, for your grace. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Can you give our moms one more hand? We love you guys. All right, turn to your neighbor and say, man, I'm so glad you made it. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I am so happy to be here. Uh, the last few weeks, we've been in a series on joy. We've been in a series on joy. And so today I want to talk about, uh, continue to talk about uh, joy. And I want to read one of my favorite uh, spiritual writers on the subject of joy and joylessness. And he kind of teases out why so many of us wrestle with joylessness when God has called us to be filled with joy. How many believe that God's called us to be filled with joy? How many of you, if you're really honest, would say, yeah, that, but that's a struggle? Amen. I'm raising my hand. Come on, raise your hand, right? I don't know why I talk like that, right? But yeah, we struggle with, with joy, even though God has called us to uh, live a life of joy. And this is what he said. I'm just going to riff off uh, this spiritual writer. He goes, the years of our maturity, how many mature pe people do we have here today? Five? Okay. All right. We got a lot of work to do. The years of our maturity, as he, as he says, are the, the heavy, heavy working years of our lives. These are the years um, when the major responsibilities fall on our shoulders. Like the biblical Martha, the supper gets cooked only if we do the cooking, and the mortgage gets paid only if we earn the money. We are in charge. We are responsible. We carry the car keys, the house keys, and the debt for both. And I have to remind my kids that all the time. Can I get an amen, parents? The major load is on our shoulders, and sometimes it feels as if we're on a treadmill with no way of stepping off. How many of you as parents, you felt like every day was like Groundhog's Day? Okay. This is what he's talking about. There's a sense of joylessness at times as we just kind of, we negotiate life, and we raise kids, and we have work, and there's just a lot of responsibility. Consequently, all too often, despite the privilege of being young, being healthy, and being in charge, it is easy to feel burdened, taken for granted, underappreciated, and used by others. Like Martha in Scripture, it is easy to feel resentment because we seem to be doing all the work while others are getting more of a free ride. That is the feeling that can weigh us down for long periods of time through our adult years and can make us all fall asleep to something that we will wake up to only when it is too late. Namely, that these years when we are young and healthy and in charge are the best years of our lives. Many are the persons who deeply regret that during the healthiest and most productive years of their lives, they were too driven and too unaware of the richness of their own lives to appreciate. Everyone say appreciate to appreciate and enjoy what they were doing. Instead of privilege, they felt burden. Instead of gratitude, they felt resentment. And instead of joy, they felt anger. 
One of the demons we wrestle with during our adult years is the resentment of Martha. That is a joylessness bordering on anger for ironically being burdened with the privilege of health, work, and status. As one author said, it is more blessed to give than to receive and it is also a lot easier. That is not something we generally appreciate during the, the tiring years when we are trying to live selfless lives. So joy. He's talking about the joylessness of negotiating really difficult things as we encounter stress and parenting, et cetera. And he connects here, if you, if, you, if you caught it, he connects joylessness with a losing of one's perspective. So today as we talk about joy, this is what I want to mention. This is what I want to focus on. This is my basic idea. The key to everything. Everyone say the key. The key to everything in life, in our apprenticeship to Jesus is joy. I'm waiting for an amen. amen. Tough crowd, right? The key to everything is joy, and the practice of joy is gratitude. The key to life is joy, and the practice of joy is gratitude. So that's where we come to Psalm 100. Thank you, Dee, for reading that passage. We come to the first stanza, and it feels like um, it feels like a festival. So all uh, the, the first stanza, the first three verses, um, it feels like a party atmosphere. You have verse one, make a joyful noise. The second one is serve the Lord with gladness. And then we have a declarative statement, come into his presence with singing. So this is like, there's, there's, there's joy. No one in this cosmic, like, joyful praise session or party session is coming into the presence of God and crossing their arms and saying, preacher, you got to make me feel something today. Right? There's singing and there's rejoicing and there's excitement in this passage. Joy, as we defined several weeks ago, it's when you feel, it's this sense of feeling good to be alive. Joy is mixed with a combination of emotions of wonder and energy and excitement. Life, you feel, is flowing in you and through you for others. This is the dynamic of, of joy in our life. Joy feels like when, when you're um, a little kid in elementary school and the sun is shining and they release you at noon and you go out to the playground and you begin to shriek with delight. It feels good, joy. In the depths of your soul is saying, it just feels so good to be alive. Joy is filled with excitement. I love Presley, my young, not one of my youngest sons. I have so many sons, I don't even know their names. But one of my sons, his name's Presley. Yesterday I said, we're going to go to the zoo. And he looked at me and he goes, yes, let's go. And he just shook with excitement. What is that? That's joy. Joy, you can feel it in your body. You can feel it in your heart. Joy is something that affects you. My, my oldest twin boys, Wesley and Quincy, they really love The Hobbit. And there's one scene, I think it's in The Hobbit, where there's a tavern. And all they're drinking is um, apple cider. Okay? So it's just all apple cider. That's what I tell them. All right? And so it's a little tavern. It's a very bucolic setting, kind of the countryside. And so the hobbits come into this. It's like at nighttime. And some are like on the side and they're talking and they're all smiling. And then you have some hobbits kind of the end of this little montage. They get on top of this table and they start to dance and they sing and they high five. What is that? Well, that is the joy of the Lord. 
I, I, I've been saying this and I'm gonna say it to some of you because you need to check your face because you, you need some joy today. <laughs> so many times we get so serious about following God, we forget that apprenticeship to Jesus is defined by joy, not serious. Like some of us, we just come into the presence of God and we're like, oh, maybe we're overwhelmed with life and maybe we have a caricatured vision of who God is that he's somehow like essentially wrathful when he's not. God, guys, is essentially joy-filled and he wants to give you his joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So what's the mood of the psalm? The mood of the psalm, of course, we, it begins in the first stanza, is this untrammeled, uninterrupted joy. And what the psalmist is telling us is that joy is not tied to circumstances. Joy, or the source of joy, is in knowing God. Joy is in knowing that we are not in charge. Everyone take a deep breath right now. You and I are not in charge. What is the source of joy? Knowing that God is God and you are not and you don't have to do God's job in running your life. That God is the one that wants to handle the stress. God's the one that wants to handle the difficulties in your life. God wants to work through you. You don't have to do it alone. In fact, if you are in Christ today, you are not alone. If you are in Christ today because of the blood of Jesus, not because you deserved anything, but because God so loved the world that he sent his son to die for you and I, we have been accepted. We have been forgiven. You and I are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. And when we sink into the incomprehensibility of God's love, that is, guys, that is when we begin to find and discover real joy that has nothing to do with your circumstances. See, I think the problem is, and I didn't show this for service, but I think so many times we carry life in such a way that God is like, guys, you're carrying that stress and that concern and that anxiety so much, I want to take that from you. I want to carry that. And I think so many of us are so weighed down with stress and difficulties when we're called to, as Tracy I think said at first service, we're called to throw all of our cares, all of our anxieties, all of our concerns, all the negative stuff and we throw it onto God, God takes it. And when we know in our bones that we don't have to be God and that God is in charge and we could take a deep breath, we could relax into his grace and we could relax into his love. I'm preaching somebody. And that we don't have to manage our lives alone on ourse by ourselves. That is when we discover genuine joy in our life. Joy, as the psalmist tells us, is found in the knowledge that God is good. He's not malevolent. He's not a divine narcissist. There is joy in knowing that God's character is steadfast love and faithfulness to every generation. God is faithful to you. He's faithful to your spouse. He's faithful to your kids. He's faithful to your grandkids. He's faithful to your great-great-grandkids. God's faithfulness keeps on going from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. God does not flag in his love, and he 
he is involved in the complicated mess of our lives and he is a God from everlasting to everlasting and in one hand he holds your life and the other hand he holds the expanse, the vast expanse of space and time and earth and matter and he's not stressing and he's full of joy. When we know that, we begin to enter into the joy that God has for us. As I mentioned before, joy is not circumstantial. Is that, what, is that, what does that mean, Chris? Well, joy is not some intersubjective feeling that's contingent on externals. So joy is not inextricably wedded or tied to what? Wealth, per se, nothing wrong with wealth, or money, or success, or achievement. All those things can be good, they can be bad, but joy is not circumstantial. It's relational. Uh, the famous philosopher Jim Carrey said this. <laughs> said, I wish everybody had fame and fortune like me, and they would know that it does nothing related to happiness. I think so many Americans, especially Christians in the church, would be like, well, if I just man, get that job, and if, I, and if I could just get that income, if I just get that attractive partner, if I just get the right kicks, if I just whatever, right? If I just get the stuff, then somehow I can find happiness and joy. Now, stuff isn't necessarily bad, but our joy is not rooted in externals. It is relational at its core. In other words, joy is being in the presence or the joyful presence of God who is glad to see you. This is my basic definition of joy. Joy is being in the joyful presence of God who is glad to see you. My dad used to preach this message all the time growing up. It's Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. And uh, I love this passage, and it says, Zephaniah declares, God will rejoice over you with gladness, and he will exult over you with loud singing. Some of us came in and were like, oh God, it was a bad week. I said some bad words. Please forgive me. We're like, don't hurt me, right? And we don't even know that God, right now, every person in here is excited. God, that is, is excited to see that you made it into his presence today. We're talking about joy, so I don't want to angry preach. I hope I'm not angry preaching, right? I'm just passionate about this because I think there's so many Christians that fundamentally live their life from a place of generosity and they love God, but they don't have joy at all. And they don't realize that, man, they can live from a place of joy. And yes, that can be a process to get into the joy that God has for us. But joy is not dependent upon your genetics. Can I get an amen? It's not dependent upon your personality. Well, I'm an introvert, Chris. Right? And I just don't like being around people, and I just like to be sad and melancholic. I love country songs. Okay, if that's your thing, it's totally fine, right? And some of you are like, I'm an extrovert, I love hip-hop, or whatever, and like, I'm just naturally you know, predisposed to being more joyful. It's, joy is not predicated on your personality makeup. Joy is something that everyone can have, irrespective of their personality. The joy of the Lord, not of the genes, the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
is my strength. And this is what I love to do. I do this occasionally with my kids because I love them so much. My big three, when they're sleeping in a little bit and it's a really nice day, parents, maybe you can relate to this. I love going downstairs. I love opening their door and I love singing. <laughs> parents, if you'd like to do this, give me an amen. I love, I just go, I'm singing and it's a beautiful day. And I love you, I love you, I love you. And they're like, Dad, be quiet, right? I just have to think that's exactly how your Father in heaven feels about you right now. So many times we essentialize the wrath of God. He's angry, right? And he's just so disappointed in you. Now, of course, God could get angry, but his anger is a righteous anger. But his anger is transient. It's not the primary emotion of God towards us. His primary emotion towards us is love. And love always produces joy. 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 God is singing over us today. Even on a, a neurobiological level, your brain runs on joy. I don't know if you know this. We have a neuro joy center in our brain, which helps regulate um, moods, emotions, desires, and helps build resilience. In other words, Nehemiah was right. The joy of the Lord is our strength. In fact, the joy center of the brain is exactly where we experience our a sense of self. So in other words, in order to fully feel comfortable in your skin, to know who you really are, you need joy. This is what they say, neurobiologists will tell you that infants, in order for them to fully understand love and to grow and to build resilience and to have greater capacity for agency, they need joy. And the primary way they see joy is by coming into someone's presence who is glad to see them. Do you know that when you wake up in the morning that God is glad? John's awake! Yes, high five. <laughs> the sun and the spirit, right? No, this is, this is how God feels about us. This is why I like to go to Starbucks, not because I really care for the, for the coffee, but I go to the Starbucks down here off of uh, Chinden and whatever, and there is a guy named Bob. And he's there every day, and I love, I love it ordering my coffee, and he comes up, and every time, or when I come up in the line, and I look to my left, and I see Bob, he's always smiling at me. It's his excitement to see me that brings excitement. I'm like, I'm actually worth it. You know what I mean? Someone likes me outside of my wife and my children, right? You see, joy, please hear me, guys. You don't, some of you don't understand this. You think you're going to get joy by making a million dollars this year. Ain't gonna happen. And you know it, because you're gonna hit that threshold. If you make that million, uh, you're gonna, it's gonna give you a temporary sense of happiness, but it's gonna slowly dis dissipate and it'll be in imperceptible. And then there will be a point where you want more. See, stuff will only create a transient sense of happiness and then you want more. I got that house, but I want more houses. Or I want that other house. Oh man, that house looks great. Why didn't we get that house, right? And we go from one thing to the next to the next. Happiness is not dependent upon circumstances or stuff. It is dependent upon our relationship with God. And when you begin to sink into the incomprehensibility that God is glad that you made it today. God is excited that you woke up. 
and that he loves you with an everlasting love, joy comes to your soul. One scholar said Christianity is uniquely a religion of joy. Do you believe that? It's so funny. I, I did a ton of research over the last two weeks on joy and books written by scholars over the last several hundred years, and there's not, and Christian scholars, and there's not a lot of books on joy. There's a lot of books on sorrow, and I think we should have a lot of books on sorrow and suffering. Those are important subjects that we need to talk about. But there's not a lot of books on the subject of the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I think that's a sign that the church needs to learn that God in the core of who he is, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, the Trinitarian community of others-focused love and grace is the community of infinite delight and love. And we talked about that several weeks ago. And when we enter into this relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, we experience joy. And everyone said amen. amen. Some of you don't believe me. I can see it on your faces, but that's okay. I'm going to convince you in three weeks, okay? Joy. We're called, no matter what, to experience the joy of the Lord. The Bible tells us, Paul tells us in uh, Philippians, rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice. Jesus looks to his disciples and says this in his farewell address, I want to give you joy and I want my joy to be full in you. As I mentioned it, Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Psalms uh, tells us, weeping may endure through the night, but joy comes in the morning. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In other words, joy is reframing your circumstances, that there's something involved in various trials that redemptively brings growth in your life, and you can rejoice. Can I get an amen to that? Restore to me, David said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. For the joy that was set before Jesus, this is Hebrews, set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. In other words, joy builds strength in us. It builds resilience. It builds endurance. It's by the joy of the Lord that we can overcome sin and temptation and stress and even joylessness and even hopelessness and despair and trauma and wounds and heartache and difficult times. Joy, joy of the Lord is my strength. And we're living in such a joyless time that when we talk about joy, we gotta, we gotta frame it as defiance. And I get it. I've, I've lived through a season of anxiety and despair, but I learned that as I entered into the joy of the Lord, I was actually protesting against the political and cultural zeitgeist of our world. They say it's hopeless. They say everything's gonna end bad. They say the last word over the cosmos and creation is gonna be climate catastrophe. They're saying that most people are experiencing chronic depression, but I'm saying that if I'm in Christ, I might not feel like it, and that's okay, and I can bring my complaint to the Lord, and I can bring my frustrations to the Lord without being judged, but I also know that as I participate, 
communicate with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit through gratitude, which I'm going to get to here pretty quick. I can then enter into a joy that I cannot manufacture. I can enter into a joy that I cannot create on my own because the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's not me. It's his that he gives to us. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. This is what the Bible tells us. But we know as, we, as, as I end here, the problem with joy is pretty simple. We, we wrestle with this. I've wrestled with this for a while. We wrestle with joylessness, which is rooted in profound negativity. We are wired to see everything through a negative filter. For example, we look for... Uh, the evidence to prosecute our case that negativity has triumphed. And in many cases, and at the same time, we conveniently remove all signs of God's goodness, which permeates our lives. We prosecute our case. We look through a negative filter and we interpret reality through that's negative, that's negative, that's negative, that's negative, that's negative. And yet, in Psalm 100, verse 4, the psalmist declares to his people, this is how you enter into the joy that God has for you. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks. Everyone say, give thanks. Give thanks, give thanks to him. Bless his name. So, it's through thanksgiving we begin to enter into the joy God has made available for us. Most of being grateful. I had a conversation with, with one of my close friends this week. And I began to realize, and I've been really thinking through this, and I felt like this was the Holy Spirit speaking to me, but most of being grateful or thankful is just simply remembering what we already have, guys. Yeah. Tracy mentioned the hu human condition. My wife and I have been talking about the human condition. I know my wife is, she, she's opened my eyes to a lot of things going on in our world. And and just with all the different things, I've realized that if I'm not careful, I can see everything through a negative filter. I see everything through maybe at times resentment or complaint or exhaustion or stress. Guys, I have seven kids. Pray for me, right? And I don't have just seven kids. I have four toddlers. Did you know that? Right? So I, it, I'm going to be quiet. Okay, let's move on. Um, so most of being grateful is... It's, it's, it's an art. It's, it's like remembering and getting your memory back. And you, you start to focus on, okay, man, I actually do have some really good things in my life. I, I, and I just want, like, we should remember today that we have bodies. Amen. Hallelujah. We have health for some of us. Some of us have uh, family. We love our families. We, we have friends. We have kids. We, we have sunshine. We had sunshine yesterday. We have good food. Uh, if you're a Cowboys fan, you can remember, because we lose all the time, that we once won the Super Bowl, and at least we're not the Cleveland Browns. You're welcome. Right, see, see, gratitude is as much about remembering than it is anything else. Being grateful, being thankful is remembering what you already have. It's focusing on the good things that God has bestowed on you. However, the problem is that we forget the extravagant love and blessing of God in our lives, and we just simply only remember the ugly things. 
and that leads us into a place of joylessness. The key today, this is where I close, the key to disrupting the cycle of this joylessness in our lives is learning to sink and to rest into the love of the Father. For the fruit of the Spirit is what, guys? Love, colon, and the rest of the fruits explain what love does. What's the first emotion after love? Joy. I'm realizing all the problems related to stress that I've experienced, confusion, negative scripts that I tell myself that we tell ourselves, trauma, wounds, the things that want to disrupt the purposes, the good purposes of God in our life, you can trace them all back to our unbelief over what I just said. God loves you with an everlasting love. And that love, please hear me, that love is not inert. That love is not just some like, okay, you're going to make it, good luck, I'll see you in 75 years in new heavens and new earth or whatever. No, this love is a this world kind of love. God loves you means that God is at work in the mess of your life. God is at work healing, forgiving, cleansing, transforming, remaking you in the image of his son. God's at work through his love to make us holy, to sanctify us, to set us apart, to heal our marriage, to heal our finances, to heal our kids, to even to empower us in our place of work to declare the goodness of God to those who do not know Jesus. This is the love of God. I want you to remember that you're loved if you are in Christ. You are loved if you are in Christ, and you are loved if you're out of Christ. Can I get an amen? But if you're in Christ, you're blessed and you're forgiven. You are healed, and the work of healing is at work in you. His presence, his goodness, his favor, his grace, his face is shining on you today. This is the source of our joy. So I end with here really quick, quadru this quadrilateral, quadrilateral, which is basically four basic aspects of joy. How do we form joy in our life? Number one, we have to accept that we're accepted in Christ. You're blessed, you're forgiven, you're a son and daughter of the king. Number two, you have to, you have to believe this, guys, you're not alone. God is with you. Even if it feels like you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and you can't see in front of you, you can't see behind you, you can't see around you, you feel like you're facing an impossible mountain in a relationship with someone you've been praying for for a long time and it feels like nothing is getting fixed, nothing is getting better, you have a promise. In fact, you have a declaration in the New Testament. If you are in Christ, you are not alone. God is with you and he will work out all things for your good. Number three, you have authority. As a follower of Jesus, you are, you are, your life is wrapped up in, in the beloved Son. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You're seated in heavenly places. That's authority, guys. So you don't have to live by the whims of culture. You're, 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 you're not subject to just random addictions and random things that would try to disrupt your life. You have authority over your life that's found in Christ Jesus. And finally, you have the power of God. You're empowered by God the Holy Spirit. 
to be who he's called you to be, that is the source of our joy today. If, man, if you make a million dollars this year, great. Just don't put your happiness in that. If you find that attractive partner and it's God, awesome, right? Just don't put your ultimate happiness in a person. Are you hearing me? Our ultimate joy comes from the Lord. And when we spend time with him, as we practice gratitude and thankfulness, we discover joy, untrammeled, everlasting, transcending time and space. Your life will never be the same. So finally, Chris, I'm going through something really difficult. I'm in a hard season. How do I practice joy? Well, remember, the key to life is joy, right? The practice of joy is gratitude. And when I went through three hard years dealing with chronic health issues, I didn't know if I was gonna make it out of this season. The thing that I would do, I would take five minutes in the morning, I'm not a journaler, but I would write down at least one thing I was thankful for. And there were days, guys, I shared this a couple weeks ago, there were days it was hard to get out of bed just with my chronic health stuff. It was just really hard. And yet I made it an effort. God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm going through this, but I'm thankful. I would write down one thing. I'm thankful that I'm alive. Right now it sucks, but I'm thankful for this one thing. And some of you are like, I just don't feel like I have a lot, of, a lot of things to be thankful for. That's okay, right? Here's the good news. God will meet you with joy where you're at. So I just recommend you just start. Maybe you could journal. You could just maybe declare it on your way to work, in the morning, whatever floats your boat. Just try to identify, if it's really hard, one thing you're thankful for. And then do that for a week or two. And then just allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart. And then I promise you, the Holy Spirit will begin to show you a whole new world of ways in which he is working in your life. God, guys, is rejoicing over you. He loves you, John, wherever you are, right? There's probably 18,000 Johns in here, right? He loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you with an everlasting love. And it's that love that we experience joy. And everyone said amen. 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 Bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, we thank you for your grace today. Lord, we thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. Lord, we thank you that our joy is rooted in your rejoicing over us. And we know it. We know it. We we, we know we don't deserve your love. We know we don't deserve your forgiveness. We know we don't deserve the blessing that you want to give to us. But Lord, we're so thankful that Jesus went to the cross on our behalf He took the curses and the sin and the shame and the woundedness, the heartache into his body, and then he released blessing and life to us. And so we are grateful today. We're so thankful that we can enter into your presence of joy. And I pray, church, could you just, if you want more joy in your life, you're like, Chris, I think this is me. Been going through a pretty hard season, and I just want to enter into in fresh ways the joy of the Lord. I want to experience that. Take your hand and put it on your heart right now. 
Father, I thank you for all those who are asking for more joy. Lord, I, I thank you that we can ask you this because it's your desire to give it to us. We thank you that you, you cannot give what you are not. And I thank you that ultimately in your essence, you are the God of joy. We just ask you to release your joy in fresh ways in our heart, in our mind, even in our bodies. Father, I thank you that you begin to speak to us about the ways in which you're already at work in our lives. I thank you, Father, that joy and gratitude go hand in hand. And I thank you that you would teach us as a community in an age of joylessness and depression and anxiety, you would teach us how to live grateful lives. And as we live grateful lives, I thank you that we would begin in fresh ways to live joy-filled, delighting in God lives that is attractional and transformational in this world. So I bind everyone in this room to your will. Bless every person. Is anyone struggling? Fill them with your presence. Let them know they're not alone. Let them know your love and your goodness in Jesus' name. With your eyes closed. One last thing. If you're a mom here, I just want to pray for you. You're really struggling. Maybe it's been hard. It's been a frustrating season. And you're just like, Chris, I just want to enter into that joy that God has for me. If that's you, can I just pray for you? I want to pray God's blessing over you. Any mom like that, you like, Chris, could you just pray for me? It's been a struggle. It's been a hard season. Anyone like that? Okay, thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Lord, we just bless our moms going through a really hard season. Fill them with your life. Fill them with your blessing. Do a fresh work in their hearts. Let them know that they're loved, accepted. Let them know in, in not just abstract ways, but in very personal ways. Holy Spirit, pour out your love in their hearts. I bind them to your will. I thank you that they would know that your face is shining upon them. Keep them. Fill them with your peace. Bless them in extraordinary ways. Refresh their soul. Refresh their minds. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.